You're listening to a Soul Fire Productions podcast. Hello, hello. How are we today, darling? I don't know why I just used an accent. I'm just in a Monday mood as I record this. And just a couple days ago, I recorded this episode with my incredible new friend, Gail Lesman, who I would like to dub the guru of the Enneagram. Okay, this woman, let me tell you something, is such a dork when it comes to the Enneagram, which I tell her as we were recording, so you will hear it. She's so cute. She geeks out over this stuff, and I appreciate that so much because When I booked her for the show, I didn't really know much about the Enneagram or what goes into it. All I know is that I'm a two wing three, which means I'm a helper and I want to rescue everyone. And that's really all I needed to know to understand myself. Or so I thought. Gail came barging through my door like the ball of incredible energy and light she is and educated the shit out of me. So You're going to learn a lot about the Enneagram in this, which I'm very excited about, which is probably why you're here. But you're also going to learn a lot of other things because that's what we do. We are very multidimensional and layered here at The Kelly Show. And I am just so in love with who this woman is. In all seriousness, uh, we get deep into what quarantine has shattered for her and really brought to the surface the roller coaster of emotions she's been experiencing Uh, what it was like coming from evangelical Christianity and the trauma that was created. She went through a period of thinking, I don't know who I am and survival mode and what it was like to be a people pleaser and realize you're actually manipulating others, feeling alone and disconnected, being terrified of her own power and truth and coming out of hiding. Oh, Everything she said resonated so deeply with me. I really felt like I was looking at myself so often during this interview. And I just really respect how honest and vulnerable Gail got. And this is my first in-person interview that I've had since March. So I was just thrilled to be in her actual energy and to just connect in such a beautiful way. I'm so, so excited for you to get to know Gail and learn all about yourself and what the Enneagram brings forward for all of us. So before we get into this conversation, I just want to share a little bit about my friend Sarah Small. So many of you have heard Sarah on my podcast. She is an incredibly wise, deep woman. She hosts the show The Uncensored Empath. And Sarah is one of those business coaches and holistic practitioners that you just want to wring out like a sponge and just take in every ounce of wisdom and information and knowing that they have. I just love everything that she teaches. She gets deep into business practices, money stories, how to free yourself of limiting beliefs and how to really step into what your truth means for how you can be of service to others. So if you have not yet listened to Sarah, go over to the Uncensored Empath. The link will be in the show notes. So you can just click right there and head over and listen to her incredible show. All right, let's get into this one with Gail. Sometimes I get so excited that I 
I just go. You just go. And I don't know what I'm talking about anymore. That's so. amazing. Is that like, um, sometimes I feel like when I'm recording, I black out and then I have Almost. to listen to my recording back after. I'm like, You're whoa, like, whoa, I said that? I know. <laughs> like, did I go there? I went down the rabbit hole. Yeah, yes, I did. I did that this week. I recorded a podcast on masturbating. I five listened years to old. it oh. on the way here. Oh God. And I just got to the part where you were going to lead the thing at the end. And I was like, okay, that was probably good timing. Yeah. No. So <laughs> I listened back to it. And then I got to that point when I was going to lead like the guided self-pleasure portion. I'm like in my car listening to myself in my sexy voice. I'm like, this is really awkward. I'm kind of turned on right now. I'm not really sure what to do with this. I think I'm going to just turn myself off at this point. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> what is happening? Yeah, I don't know. Is it weird that I get turned on by my own voice? I love I'm that. I'm not sure that that's appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> when do, like, appropriate went out the door a long exactly. time ago. <laughs> I know. A little narcissistic, but it's fine. We all are. Thank you, Instagram, for that. Also, Instagram now has, I saw, because you posted the cutest video, Reels. That was cringy, according to my kids. So, oh. Yeah, cringy mom. Do they not like when you do things like that? I mean, actually, they've been amazingly supportive okay. of my whole um, Instagram endeavor, which is funny because that's like their platform, you yes. know, like for my older kids, especially. Um, but yeah, I kind of embarrass them with that. I and I don't care. The reels thing. It's so fun. And yeah. I'm like, why not play with that? Were you on TikTok before? So I did TikTok during the quarantine because we were bored to death. Uh-huh. And I was like, I'll do some dances with you. Teach me some stuff. Yeah. But I only I only like posted two of them. So yeah. I didn't really do TikTok. Connor got very into it. Then he got oh. shadow banned because he talks about politics now. Oh, yes. So I've been following anything some controversial. Yeah. And I'm just like, it's just gross. And I, I have a bunch of friends who are like fitness influencers or people with like mm -hmm. body image stuff. And anyone who was overweight got shadow banned. Like it was so messed up. If you talked anything about body okay, positivity, you were blocked. I'm like, this, this world we live in right no. now is so bizarre. I know. I'm like, what? Every day, what is happening? Every day. And it seems to get worse. Yeah. I don't understand. I was thinking about this earlier because I was talking to my girlfriend about how Connor and I haven't killed each other during quarantine. <laughs> so I'm mostly just grateful for that part. Yes, very good. Um, But I feel like for so many of us, this has been like the shattering mm -hmm. and the breakdown oh and my the goodness. burn everything down and the reconstruction of who we are and what we truly want in this world. So how has yes. it, this time served you in that way? Okay, great question. And that kind of leads into what I'm going to talk about. Okay. But definitely I have felt that I have been shattered during this time. Um, there have been, it's been like a roller coaster up and down, man, crazy. Yeah. Um, and I have three kids at home too. So it's like, okay, how do I maintain a semblance of sanity and the mom that they know and take care of myself. Um, and so it's been kind of ugly, but um, definitely like having the information that I have about who I am and the deep dive that I've been doing for the past, probably like two, three years um, has definitely helped me to be able to pull myself out. And I see like, okay, I'm going into my stress number hardcore today and I'm sitting there and just the, the recognition and the self-awareness, I feel like that is such a huge gift what to is have it, that. Yeah. What does it look like when you are in that stress mode for you? Okay. So I am an eight okay. and that is like the challenger. And I'm, I'm really um, probably the most un eight eight that you're going to meet. And it's, there's an ex explanation for that. But um, when I'm in stress, I go to five. And so five is like that kind of deep contemplative person who um, 
like I said, I can like completely nerd out on my Enneagram books and just like sit there the entire day. (laughs) And so I recognize that I'm going there when I want to take in all the information and arm myself with that. It's like the competency. They, they want to be competent. They want to understand everything. And so when I recognize that I'm like, okay, I'm trying so hard to understand myself that I'm literally, well, not literally, but like, I am like in the vortex of like going deeper and deeper and deeper. And it's so good. And a lot of good comes from that. But then at some point it's like, "Mm, this is actually like extremely unhealthy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's just building the awareness of that. Um, I feel like the Enneagram is like one huge gift to us in self-awareness and like a call to wake the hell up. Mm -hmm. So do you feel like as someone who is introspective and who wants to understand and Mm -hmm. and really get to the bottom of things, do you ever feel like and maybe this was more early on in your journey where you weren't able to bridge the gap between the spirituality and the awareness and the awareness of the awareness and also just being a human who does, you know, fucking stupid reels video on Instagram. (laughs) I think that's where a lot of us get lost. Yes. Oh my gosh. The disconnect. So hmm, I don't know how to talk about this without talking about my upbringing a little bit. So I, um, I grew up in a super, um, evangelical Christian home. And my parents are amazing. They are so loving. They did their absolute best. But this little sensitive me came into the world and said, "Um, all these things you're teaching me are traumatizing me on the daily Mm. over and over. So I didn't realize that I was actually living with C complex PTSD until fairly recently. And I've worked on myself, you know, I've done a lot of work for about 10 years. I've been in counseling and working through a lot of these things um, because I was like plagued with anxiety for all of my years <laughs> until yeah, I, I was, bet. it came to a head when I was about 30 years old and I was just like completely panicked all the time. And um, I mean, I was on the exterior able to kind of like make it look like I had it together. But inside, I was like panicking all the time. And I went to counseling, started working, did EMDR, did all this stuff to, you know, and I started realizing like, oh, I, I don't, I don't know who I am. Wow. And, um, you know, so I started exploring that and came to, to realize like how much what I learned in the church growing up played into just this, um, dissociation and like complete numbing out of my entire everything, all of my emotions. I'm a deeply, deeply sensitive and emotional person. And I had to to survive what was terrifying me daily. I had to um, just um, numb out entirely. And my defense mechanism growing up was to be as pleasant as possible. Because if I'm as pleasant as possible, then I can control how you perceive me. And like, there's no problems. (laughs) And I can make everybody like me. So that's actually very two-ish. So on the Enneagram, two is the helper. That's me. Is that you? I'm a two-wing three. I I knew we we connect for a reason. Mm -hmm. So social eights, they actually can look more like a two, which is super weird. And I can kind of explain that in a minute. Oh, yeah. But my two-ish tendencies to want to... um, Number one, make my parents happy, but also just to like get everybody to like me. Um, like, look how nice I am. 
you know, that that helped me for a long time. I was actually really successful in life like you, you know, top of the class. I was not a class, you know, a, a division one athlete like you. But, you know, I was very um, at, admired, mm-hmm. I, I guess I would say, in high school and going into college. And anyway, see, I'm going down my rabbit hole. It's OK, I love but rabbit holes on this show. Just I think that I realized, like looking back on my life, my defense mechanisms and the way that I had gotten through um, to survive what I was learning in church and to survive um, feeling disconnected from my parents, which was not their fault. They parented me the way they were parented. Right. They didn't know that I was this deeply passionate, deeply intense person who was on the inside feeling very alone and very just disconnected. So working through the EMDR brought a lot of this up, this deep fear of being hurt, deep fear of... um this need for control. I realized, oh my gosh, I am such a control freak. <laughs> I had no Feel idea. <laughs> no idea. So, um, yeah, as I kind of like worked through all this stuff, I realized that um, I didn't know myself. And I stumbled upon the Enneagram probably around 2016. And that was also at the same time that our dear president got elected. And all of the people that I knew from church were seemingly okay with him. And I didn't understand that because to me, there was a huge disconnect between what is being a Christian and who this dude is. Right. And so that all started to crumble. And that was like my whole, like all my social contacts. That was like my whole support system, my family, everything. Um, But I was like, I can't be a part of that. If that's what Christianity is, then then I'm not that. Mm-mm. And so that coincided with me starting to study the Enneagram and I learned about um, what that is. So I can go into that, but it, it basically the Enneagram plus all that with the um, political stuff and just like realizing that my entire life was kind of falling apart. It broke me open mm-hmm. and um, it's been a really crazy ride since then but i definitely have i kind of lost what your initial question was i have was. no idea what i asked you it doesn't even matter that was a great <laughs> but it, answer but yeah it's just been a journey and i love to call it that like cuz i feel like a lot of people want to figure out their enneagram type and then they want to be like cool i'm a 2 yeah and then that's it right and i'm like oh actually that's the beginning right like the whole typing yourself that's one giant journey in and of itself cuz i feel like a lot of people don't know themselves enough to truly type themselves and then once you figure that out then there's like the whole invitation to wake up so, yeah. i love the way you just phrase that because i'm in the middle of another massive transition transition mm-hmm. and shedding after my mom died like my whole world has been flipped upside down. And I was talking to my girlfriend this morning and she's like, how are you? And you know, when someone goes through something you're like, I know this is a really dumb question, but like, I don't know how else to ask this. So how are you? And I was just like, I don't know where to even begin. Mm. And it's such an interesting place to be. I've had a shattering before I left my career. I did the whole thing. I broke up with my boyfriend, like moved to Colorado. We did all this stuff. Right. And That felt like one version. And I remember being what felt like rock bottom in Tulum by myself right Mm -hmm. after Christmas between then and New Year's writing in my journal, 
tearing the pages up, mm. all this anger and yeah. fear, and then moving into like gratitude and okay, what am I making space for? And getting into personal development then and yeah. plant medicine, all this stuff. So I remember that, but now I'm back in another version of mm. that, which actually feels worse and more intense and better. It's all the things. <laughs> and I keep asking questions like, what do I want? And who am I? Like, who am I? Because I host a show where I share who I am all the time and what I do and how I evolve. But I just don't really know right now. Yeah. And so if you asked me to fill out a questionnaire mm -hmm. about anything, I don't know that I would know what to say. Maybe I could feel into it, but like really just filling it out. That is so overwhelming because mm. I wouldn't even know where to begin. And as you were talking about that, I'm envisioning you learning about the Enneagram, filling out this stuff like, is that who I am? I know. Like, is that what I like? It's such an odd thing to Isn't feel. Isn't it crazy? Yeah. I know. It's so, um, in a way, it's like terrifying, but it's also beautiful because it's like, okay, I know there's more coming around the corner. And you just open your eyes. Like every day, I would be, I'd wake up and it's like something new, you know? And I just think so. The idea of the Enneagram is that there are nine different personality types um, in all of humanity, which seems insane. And a lot of people, I tell people that and they're like, mm, no way. But it's kind of like when you go to the store to buy paint, I'm kind of stealing this idea from another Enneagram teacher, but um, you go to buy paint and you're picking out a blue. Well, there are like so many different shades of blue. So just because you're two or I'm an eight, you know, we're going to look completely different differently, you know, different from the other blue or pink or whatever right mm -hmm. next to us. Yeah. So um, I think that this is like you're in such a cool place because I'm just learning right now, how, even even like literally within the past six months um, with the whole quarantine and everything breaking me open even more, just how nuanced we all are. Like it is amazing. And just because, you know, you find out that you're a certain number. I mean, there's so there's so much variation within that. There's there are wings, there are instinctual subtypes, there are all these like cool different facets to who we are. And it's almost like a puzzle. Like it takes a while to put it all together. At least it did for me. Mm -hmm. And I was like on a massive track. Like I wanted to figure this out. <laughs> of course. And so I was like, I'm not giving up till I figure it out. Well, you know. Things take things like this take time and you can't rush it. And that's what I tell my clients mostly is like a lot of them are just like so distraught over not being able to figure out their Enneagram type. And I'm like, this is a journey like this can take years. A lot of people figure out who they are a little faster than that, but it's OK if you don't. What so. was it like for you as you were getting into this and you had to let go of what you knew to be true for so long? Yeah, that's been. <laughs> That's been really interesting. It's been really hard. Yeah. Um, I've I mentioned that I'm sensitive and emotional and I um I don't know if I've cried. My poor husband, <laughs> Ryan, um, he has sometimes he'll contact me. He'll be like, What are you doing? I'm like, Oh, I was just crying. Like I because I just have to work through the pain and the the letting go. And it's really hard to have you know, you're you look like something for X amount of years and people get really used to that. And then all of a sudden it's like, what happened to Gail? <laughs> like 
she's fallen off the wagon. Um, and so it's, it's been hard. It, that's been extremely painful. Um, but in other ways, amazing because it's turned, I've turned on this like completely different, um, road in my journey and I love it. I love the people who like Jackie Carr, who's come alongside of me and, um, worked with that's me. how I met you and I was yes. trying to remember I'm like I don't need this is so long ago now I don't even remember <laughs> I know and so I'm of course it's been hard and highly I mean I like it's really hard for me to let go of that but at the same time I'm like I see on the horizon all this amazing beautiful stuff and I'm like okay really am I really gonna look back um and I know you have to like work through all the hurt and the trauma and everything I'm not I'm not negating that, but at the same time, like I just look forward and I'm like, this is awesome. When I first started on this, I wanted to kill the old version of myself. Mm. I was like, she must die and burn in hell. She doesn't deserve to come along. And then I felt, I remember I had this like massive breakdown and my girlfriend, Laura was on the phone with me and she goes, you know what I envision you're doing is that you're dragging this little girl by her hair up a mountain Mm. and she's thrashing around and she doesn't want to go and you're pulling her and you're saying, we have to do this and and I hate you and I'm angry at you. She's like, what if you just held her hand and walked with her up the mountain and took Mm. her along and said, thank you so much for everything you've done and all the the protection you created for me and Mm. the way you kept us safe. And now we get to go do this cool thing together. I was like, oh my God, why am I fighting with my old self? Why are we so evil to these things that we went through and these experiences we had and the beliefs Mm. that we had just because we know more so we do better now? Right. It doesn't have to look like black or white. And I so wanted to just (laughs) sever that aspect of me. Oh, Kelly, I so relate. I tend to throw the baby out with the bathwater, as I say. So I I was, I can relate to that. I was 100% like that. Like I would be talking to my counselor, my therapist and be like, um, so when can we get done? <laughs> when is this over? When do I achieve? Check mark. And she's like, mm-hmm. just, I'm sorry to let you know that it's never going to be over. Yeah. <laughs> So, but I relate in the whole inner child thing. That's something that she has to like remind me of over and over again is like, okay, like when you get all controlly and like, let's go, because that's my tendency. I can be super intense, super competitive, super, um, you know, gung ho. Enthusiastic is a good word for me, but it's like, okay, you have to also like, I love that, that, um, um, image of you just like holding her hand. And that's been the one thing is like, you know, me just like hugging this little person who was really sensitive and felt really alone and all of the things, you know, and just to be like, okay, you're safe now. I've got you. We're going to go forward and to love and accept her and not to try to like beat her out of me, which was definitely my the way I was going at it at first. You know, it was interesting too, what you said that I feel like I've had quite a few conversations around recently. And I think it's because I just attract a bunch of people like me and I don't know if that's good <laughs> or bad, but neither here nor there, uh, a bunch of control freaks, um, <laughs> is the idea of people pleasing being manipulation. Mm. And it's like, I'm a people pleaser because I'm so nice and I just do everything for everyone. And it's like, actually you're fucking manipulative. <laughs> And it's not okay. Yes. And I was trying to, or I was explaining this to someone the other day and it was like the light bulb went on for her and I'm watching it go off in her and I was like, 
Oh, I'm talking to myself. Yes. I'm like people pleasing and taking care of Connor and doing this and trying to make this nice and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to manipulate him to see me a certain way and manipulate him and control him by doing all these things like this so that he fits into the box that makes me oh feel safe and comfortable. Whoa. Yes. What a realization to come that's to. That's huge. Yeah. See, you're like waking up. And that's the thing. Like, I actually super identify with that since I can be very two-ish in my actions. And I was actually, I was chatting with this gal. I don't know that she's an actual coach, but we have just like super bonded over the Enneagram on Instagram of all places. Love like that. this, this gal who runs another Instagram, um, Enneagram Instagram account. So we've chatted for months about all this and she, you know, I've kind of like told her my whole story and she's amazing. But one day I was like talking about how, you know, I don't, I'm not very two-ish. Like, I just don't see it. Like, I'm not there. I, I mistyped as a nine for a long time. And I, th I think that a lot of the two-ish stuff I thought was nine. What's a nine like, again? So nine's the peacemaker. Oh, yes. And they kind of tend to be, they, nines and twos can be confused mm -hmm. because they both are others focused. Yes. Um, but I was like, I just don't see it. I, I'm not like that. I don't have to do things for other people like to, to feel good about myself. And she's like, um... What about your entire childhood? <laughs> what about like the way that you have always worked that image? And I realized like, I am super manipulative, like to, to wake up to that. And I, this kind of leads me to the other thing. I feel like something that goes really well with exploring the Enneagram is shadow work. Yeah. And um, that was like a huge key to me waking up to the fact that I'm an eight and not, I mean, I thought I was a seven. I thought I was a four. I thought I was a nine. And it's like I couldn't get to the eight because I always thought of eight um, like I would with my friends who, of course, know the Enneagram because I talk about it so much. Sorry, friends that are listening, <laughs> but they everyone knows about it who's in my life, basically. And so whenever I would whenever I would want to like say that someone's super awful, I would say, oh, she's like an eight. You know, wow. it's like um, she's very eight ish. I do not like that. Um, and so to. It's it's it was so cool the way things like the universe brings things together. I mean, it's madness the way I learned I'm an eight because I was going through this. It was right at the beginning of quarantine. I mean, I just learned this. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I'm telling you, this has been like a huge growth time for me. So I here I am. I'm an Enneagram coach. Like I should know this about myself. So I think this is a good it, for, side note. We're all growing. Exactly. It's OK to mistype. But anyway, so I thought I knew myself. I thought I knew I, I was like, yeah, I know I'm not that I am not an eight like the <laughs> I would tell anybody that. And um, I ended up doing like this. I I hired this so soul healer who was what, like talking with me. And she was like, when I'm talking to you, all I want to do is grab my throat. She's like, what's going on with your throat? Like, do you have something with your thyroid, with your jaw? I'm like. Um, I clench my jaw so bad that I break off teeth. Oh my. I, you know, like I have a thyroid thing. I, you know, like there's a lot going on there. And she was like, I'm just going to put this out there that I think that you have not used your voice for so long that there is just so much energy trapped there and it is dying to come out. And you are just like clenching to keep it inside. And this is all, you know, in regards to all this stuff with the church and like all this stuff. And, and I've been living in fear of speaking out about these things. 
And she's like, I just want to say that you, I think that who you actually are is completely different than what you think. And I was like, well, what's that supposed to mean? I walk away from that like, what? Yeah. And then I had human design reading and she's like, you are a manifesting generator and you are this ball of energy and you are a force. And I'm like, wait, me? Me? A force? So I kept getting this message from these people. They're like, you're intense. You're a force. There's power. There's this like, you have this like vibe, this power, this energy. And I'm like, what, me? Like, that's not how I'd seen myself my entire life. And that's very, like, all that is very eight-ish. And then I happen, it's all within a week. I was chatting with this other gal who was like this Enneagram mega guru and she's like you know you identify so much with seven and nine did you ever think that you're an eight and you've been covering yourself up with your two wings your entire life because you can't handle the fact that you're an eight and I was doing this shadow work and I'm like what is it about myself that I am terrified of I was terrified of my own power I was terrified of my own voice and my own bigness and my own intensity and that's all eightish and so it all came together and I was like oh my gosh and it was like I and I definitely took like three months to process it because it was so different from what I had always thought and yet so freeing because now that I know that I'm like big and loud and I like freaking rainbows and I'm like, you know, like I'm this, I'm a bigger presence than I ever gave myself credit for. And I I think that that's part of, you know, the whole Christian message of be meek, be quiet. You, God has all the power. You are nothing. I am nothing. He is everything. And to wake up to the fact that like, Oh, I'm actually powerful and I'm actually this amazing human. You know, it's okay to have power as a human and to embrace who I really am and not to run away from it and hide behind the joy of seven and the peacefulness of nine and just to be this big, bright ball of eight intensity. Wow. So it's, that's like why I'm so passionate about the Enneagram, even more so now. I was passionate about it before when I thought I was a seven and a nine and a four because I felt all those things. But then the eight came together and I was like, oh, this is like, this makes total sense. It all clicked together. But it took, it took me a while. I had to process it. I was like, ew, yeah. I'm kind of scared of being that person. What did it feel like meeting yourself really for the first time? In a way, it was exhilarating and terrifying. Kind of like what I talked about before. The Enneagram gal that I was chatting with, this Instagram Enneagram guru, she said to me, you know, you're you're a warrior princess. And that um I'm like kind of shaking right now even thinking about it in like a good way because it felt so right. And it was like I was finally letting that shell of hiding from the anger eight eight emotional struggle is with anger so each of the there are three body systems and eight nine and one are the instinctual triad and they all struggle with anger two three and four 
are um, the feeling, the heart center, and they all struggle with shame. And then five, six, and seven are the head center, and they all struggle with fear or anxiety. And so that me, like my prime struggle being with anger, well, that's yet again another thing that's like growing up in a Christian household, anger, no, put that aside. Like you can't be angry. Let's be peaceful and calm and let it all roll away. And I could try to do that, but little did I know it was all building up, building up, building up, which sounds actually kind of like a nine. Like a lot of people say that nines, um, they let it build, 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 build until they explode. Um, but I was constantly just like, you know, like the, the clenching of the teeth, the fact that I had teeth break off. (laughs) That's intense. It's like I was feeling anger all the I know. I would like have and I had this repeated nightmare about it. I mean, it was like my whole life, all the signs were pointing to the fact like you are angry. And that's okay. Your anger is actually your friend. Just befriend it and allow it and be curious with it. Curiosity. That's my big word right now. I felt like my whole life I um I was never allowed at least in my mind what I took from what I learned at church and at home was that being curious and looking and exploring all these different um options that that was bad and like no this is the way and you do this and and don't what are you doing why are you looking over there stop you know and so to be able to say I'm curious about what this means what does it mean that I'm like angry almost all the time. <laughs> Not real. I mean, but it, it does, there is a fire in me. There's something going on in there that makes me have this competitiveness and this intensity and, you know, not, or eights also have this thing with vengeance. Hello, not Christian. Like that's not, you know, so it just, I, I think I felt, I don't know. Have you read the Glennon Doyle book? Um, Untamed. Untamed. Oh my God. Did I read that? I read it and I was <sighs> like, Hello, my life. Yes. Um, yes. I do you know how many freaking words I highlighted? Like <laughs> I think half I of every the page. Whole thing. Yeah. I know. So I think I to to realize like, okay, I've been tamed. I've been so intent on making everybody else happy. God, my parents, whoever, all the people who are in my life. And um to just be like, I'm angry. And I have issues with vengeance and I, you know, like I, I was afraid of not only losing my eternal life, you know, as a Christian, yeah. but I was afraid of losing all these people if the real me sh- showed through. Like, so I, I so identified with the way she would talk about how she would just like, you know, she used alcohol and drugs and um, an eating disorder I didn't have any of that really going on, but I definitely had other coping mechanisms, you know, extreme anxiety. I mean, I walked around terrified all the time. Wow. All the time. What is when you say that, like viscerally, what was happening inside of you? I mean, I think I was just so I think I was, you know, there was a lot of stomach. There was a lot of um, like throat and clenching, you know, like as far as like keep it all together. I'm really nice. I'm really pleasant. Don't you love me? Clenching. <laughs> you look terrifying when you make that face, by the way. I'm like, oh my God, I the know. devil is inside uh, I, <laughs> I can be very expressive. <laughs> but, you know, just like to hold down who you really are 
I mean, think of like how um, how hard that is. It's exhausting. It's like suffocating yourself inside of yourself. Yes. That's what I think of. I think of holding myself at my throat, suffocating yes, going- myself inside like the womb space and being like, yes. shut the fuck up. Stay down there. Don't come out. No yes. one wants you here. Yes. And then putting on a happy face and being yeah. like, I'm lovely. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, whew. yeah. Talk about like, no wonder my anxiety went like through the roof. I was an, a young parent and I think for the first time I realized like, okay, not only am I dealing with me, but now I have these two little people who like really need me. And all of a sudden I was like, I'm going to die. They're going to die. Something bad is going to happen. And I like could not get off that. Like, and I had always had the fear, like I mentioned, um, in my life, but it was like having these two little people who I like wanted to be there for more than anything. Um, I just, you know, it was like, I, I lost it. I couldn't, I couldn't deal anymore. (laughs) How old were you when you had your first? I was 27. Okay. I was young. I, we got married very young. Yeah. I had my first kid when I was 27. My second when I was 29. Third when I was 32. What's kind of terrifying about that is like, I didn't know myself at all. And here I was like taking care of these sweet little souls and like telling them you have to be really good. Cause that's what I heard, right. you know, growing up, like be as good as you can push down all of your natural impulses. And now <laughs> how'd you backtrack now, out of that? <laughs> oh my gosh. My kids now are like, what happened to mom? Yeah. Um, You're like, because- never mind everything I ever told you. <laughs> We're starting over. <laughs> They're so amazing. First of all. Oh. And they just like roll with it. But definitely like in the past couple of years, I've had to explain to them like, okay, like I realized you guys or you all like, I realized that the way I was teaching you, it was wrong. And I'm sorry. And, you know, I'm here. Ask me your questions. I'm not afraid of them. I can help you. I want you to be who you really are. That's like now I'm like this huge proponent. I'm like, who are you? Yeah. How um, do you help a child find themselves? Oh, oh, my gosh. I don't know if I'm enough of a parenting expert to answer that. <laughs> but I do think that just, you know, having the knowledge I have of the Enneagram has really helped because I'm always looking out for the repetitive, like that's what the Enneagram teaches is that we all adopt as children, these um, patterns that we go back to time and time again, because they work for us. And I think that we adopt them based on our sensitivities. And then there a lot, a little bit of it. It's like, it's like nature nurture, which one is it? Um, I think it's a lot nature. I think it could be like nurturing can play into it. Um, but I think that we, um, we start to, you know, get into this pattern and I can watch my kids and be like, oh, hmm, my, my daughter, she seems to always ask me what she should do. What do you want to do? What does your gut? I literally said this today before we left, before I left, I was like, she's asking me, I don't know. It was something dumb. Like what, what do you, what should I have for lunch? I'm like, well, what do you want for lunch? I don't know. What do you? What should I have? Well, what is what does in here say to you? What do you want? You know, listen to that. And I don't know if she's a nine, but that's a very nine-ish thing to be like, tell me how to be. Tell me what to do. Um, because they don't, you know, underneath it all, they don't want to upset. They want to keep the peace. They don't like conflict. They don't want to like, they don't want to make waves. And I want to teach her like, Make some waves, baby. It's okay. 
and you know my sons they have other things going on um and i just want to i i really try to pay attention to patterns because i feel like that like that really helps yeah I love that you said that to her because that's one of my biggest things that I'm processing now that my mom's gone is I, we were so codependent and I asked her everything my whole life until I was about 27. And I realized I didn't know that no one else that I knew was doing that. Like all my friends were like, you talk to your mom that much? I'm like, yeah, don't you? And they're like, no, I haven't talked to my mom in three weeks. And I was like, oh, what's happening? You know? And I had to reevaluate it all. But when she died, I felt like there was a part of me that died because my whole oh, world, yeah. every decision I ever made was wrapped up into her down mm. to what do I eat for lunch? I would like call her living at USC and be like 19 years old. Hey mom, what should I eat? Mm. I mean, that's how much I relied on her. And I think so many women, and I know so many of my, the women in my community are like, I don't know how to function because I always look outside myself and I don't trust myself. The deep knowing. And yes. it's like you have the opportunity as a parent to teach your children how to trust themselves. And it's amazing mm. that you have that awareness right now to ask her that question because mm. I didn't get that. Yeah, and I didn't either. It's so important to be able to look within and decide what kind of fucking sandwich you want. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's a sandwich. Yeah. Or whatever. No, I relate to that. I was actually listening to another podcast you did recently and you you were talking about your mom and being codependent and needing to talk to her every day. And I really relate to that. And it, if, the funny thing is, once I had kids, I did that more. Mm. So I like I had kids and I realized. What the fuck? I don't know what I'm doing. So then I think I called my mom every day and I was like, OK, what do I do now? OK, what do I do now? And um, that was hard when I finally was like, OK, I'm so codependent right now. <laughs> I I need to figure out things on my own. And. I, I think it hurt my mom when I put up that boundary, but I understand. And that's like something really hard to work through when, you know, she's gone now mm-hmm. and you're like, okay. Yeah. You know? and, and, and I know you've already been on this journey, so it's totally. not like you were like that as much, but yeah. I, it's still hard. Yeah. I was telling someone yesterday, I feel like all the work I've done in personal development and spirituality was literally just preparing me for this one thing. Mm-hmm. It was like, okay, let's get you ready. Cause this is going to be a yeah. doozy. Um, and I'm grateful and I feel like I'm at a place where I can ask hard questions and I can go within and I don't need to externally look for validation or, um, need someone to tell me what to do. And I, I just never operated like that. And at 32 years old, it's very refreshing to be able to make that decision for myself and know when to ask for help because I do believe asking for help is so important. Oh, so important. Yeah. But after you've asked yourself, yourself. Yeah. So critical. Yeah. That whole concept of like the deep knowing and that, that the answers are actually inside of you. Like that was huge for me. That was revolutionary. Cause I was like, wait, no, I thought everything was outside of me yes. and not to try, you know, that continual wound of like, I don't trust myself. I am bad. I, you know, the, the self kill the self, you know, that's kind of what I grew up learning. And to actually like realize, oh my goodness, like myself is, that's like my, you know, my true North or whatever you want to call it. Um, so yeah, hugely freeing to realize that. And I'm still wrapping my head around it, to be honest, because it's huge that like, it's been, I believed so differently for so long. I'm definitely still like, oh wait, oh wait, like I don't have to, it's really hard for me not to look outside of myself. I just want to take a brief pause to tell you about today's sponsors. The first one, let's get checked. 
So here's the thing. Connor and I talk about this a lot, about how screwed up our system is when it comes to getting any sort of blood work done. You can't get tested for anything without getting a horrible, really annoying bill in the mail that says you owe $1,000 out of nowhere because you just wanted to know what your vitamin D level was. Okay, that's just not cool. I'm not, I'm not into that. So when we found Let's Get Checked, we wanted to look deeper into fertility numbers and what things were looking like and hormone panels. And they also have COVID testing. So we love this company because they make it super simple. They send you these little vials, you prick your finger, you put blood into the vials, you send it back, you fill out your little thing online, and you get your results within days. Now, you might have to use a couple fingers. I did. Apparently, I just don't bleed that easily, unless it's my time of the month and you know what I'm talking about. Um, But I used a couple of different fingers and I just pricked them and pushed them into these vials and I was done within 20 minutes. And I got my results back. They text me when the results were ready. I just linked up on their system and everything was laid out for me. And if I wanted to talk to a nurse or a practitioner, that was also available. Uh, I love that this is so accessible and affordable and you can also get tested to see if you have or have had COVID, which at this point in time, apparently this is the world we live in and we need to be tested for pandemics at our beck and call. So you can go to trylgc.com slash Kelly T and you will get 20% off whatever you order. Head over there. Let's get checked. Figure out what's going on with your hormones, fertility, and any other numbers you are looking for. Okay, so here's the other thing I want to tell you about. My program, Her Truth. I have a handful of spots left. And I created this program for women who want to break free of their cycle. The stupid crap that we have been told since we were young, the stories that are not ours, that we have been buying into, that we allow to dictate our lives, that are no longer serving us. We want to break free. We want to find our truth. We want to step into our power. We want to stop making excuses and start taking responsibility. That's who this is for. If you are at a point where you're like, I need to get radically honest with myself. I need to step into the fear and the anxiety and really get to know myself and the core wounds that are driving every decision I make. This is for you. You'll get a journal that I curated just for you. You will get audio lessons. You will get guided pleasure meditations. And this is all at your own pace. I made this affordable and accessible because I want every woman to access herself, to meet herself, to know herself, and to emerge and to rise. So if you go to kellytenant.com slash her dash truth, you can check out the program. If you have any questions, you know you can always message me. And I am so thrilled to serve you and to hold this space for you as you grow and transform and come into yourself. All right, let's get back to Gail. When you were coming out of the church and you know, I've actually had quite a few evangelical Christians. I know. Former. I listened to Jamie Lee, Lee Finch. Oh my gosh. She's my She's favorite. Epic. And Rachel Overvall. Yes. Overvall. I don't know how to say your last name. Both of those. I was like, 
Yes. I didn't, until I met Rachel, I didn't know anything about evangelical Christianity. I was like, what? (laughs) And then Jamie and it just continued to catapult. But I think what I learned from talking to both of them is that because you are nothing, according Mm -hmm. to the church, Mm -hmm. when you come out of that, there's like a whole need to understand your worthiness and your value and what you offer Mm -hmm. outside of just who am I, but how am I worthy and how am I valuable and how do I deserve this? I don't understand those concepts. How did you create that after? So that's been huge. Um, and that's why this whole, like I, I talk about being an Enneagram and self-love coach because I kind of try to tie them together. Um, because I don't see how you can work through one without having the other. And it goes hand in hand with coming out of the evangelical lifestyle too. Um, I, (laughs) I realized Sometime it was not that long ago, Kelly. Like I'm saying, this is like all within the past like eight, maybe nine months that I realized like I actually really don't love myself. And I think it was just that programming, that constant barrage of like, okay, like I would read some like some of the um, journal entries that I would write in my prayer journal or whatever you want to call it. Um, to my husband, he's like, I can't believe you thought that. And he grew up in the same kind of, I mean, his was more Lutheran mainline church, but like still similar concepts. But even with him, he was like, I can't believe all the, you know, I would just write, I am a wretch. I'm so terrible. Please, you know, cleanse me of like who I am. I mean, I wrote those words and, and it's like, to to come out of that like that mindset of um i'm terrible and everything about me is the literal worst and then to be like okay that's actually not true well then i kind of was like uh what now what now what okay i love myself okay i love myself but then i would like turn around and see all the ways that i acted like i didn't love myself and how it was just like so you know i was always self sabotaging i was always hurting others um, because of I could see so clearly how I was I was believe I was still believing that. And so it this has been a huge journey. Meditation has been huge for me and to do just like lots of self-love work, lots of journaling, lots of um, writing things out in a journal, all of my anger about all the mis, you know, the bad information I had and then ripping it up. And then doing that over and just learning like the the inner child loving her. I mean, that was a huge part of it because I think for a long time I was like, why didn't you get it together? Why couldn't you do better? And imagine if you're talking to your little inner child that way. Um, Hello. That's how I was with my own children. Of That's course. how I was with everybody. It's like, get it together. What's wrong with you? And then, you know, to to admit that I actually had those thoughts like, oh, that felt you know, horrible. Right. And so to learn like just the gentleness and the um, compassion for myself and for the struggle and for, and, and then my other challenge is to like, look at my parents and like have that compassion for them too. And just like to let it, let it all go. Yes. Work through the trauma. Yes. Have feel the anger and not just like let it sit there anymore. But then the ultimate thing is just to love and like to find that deep love. And so whew, it's been, it has been like whirlwind with all that. When I, um, when I realized I was bisexual and like had all that mm-hmm. stuff coming up, 
I had like what I describe as like a demonic voice coming into my mm. head telling me you're disgusting, you're gross, you're disappointing your parents, this is not okay. And it was almost like a reel just in my head over and over and over. And I, I remember one night was really scary. Connor and I were just sitting on the couch and all of a sudden I just got hit with this wave of anxiety and I started hearing that voice and I got up and I started pacing and I was pulling mm. my hair oh, out. Like gosh. it wasn't actually coming out, but I was pulling it so hard mm -hmm. and I was like freaking out. I'm like, something's inside of me. I don't know what's happening. And mm. it was so scary. And I think, and I've talked about that before. And so many people have said they had similar experiences where it's like, it's not your voice. It feels like a program that has been yes. put inside of you and yes. it feels very dark and it's trying to pull you back into the darkness. Absolutely. Yes. And I still battle like every once in a while, I'll be like, what if I'm wrong about all this? I've turned my back on everything. Yes. Who, you know, what's going to happen? You're like, did I like, join a new panic, cult? Panic. I know. Yeah, right. And sometimes like the whole like self-love, like, um, what's the word that I'm looking for? I, like that whole thing can seem almost like the hippie the opposite. dippy culture. Yeah. yeah. The same, like, hmm. same, but opposite. But no. Um, but yeah, it's funny how I will every once in a while just be like, <gasps> you know, and all the old programming will download again and I'll be like, what am I doing? And then I just have to like ground myself. And be like, okay, I know what I need. I know this is right. You know, I know. And, you know, the, the fact, okay, God, like this whole concept of God, like, however you stand on that or wherever you are, like, it's still like he, he, it, the universe, the knowing speaks to me and says, you're all good. Like, stop panicking. Stop, stop the like overthinking. So, yeah, it, but I can definitely still get there really easily. Do you ever, I've never asked anyone this before, but you know, when you say I'm getting downloads, are you smelling Remy's farts? Yes. By the way? It's so bad. You guys, both I'm the dogs so are, they're laying beneath us, and Remy has was like a, a really, really bad tummy. Good one. Oh man, his butt is foul. I was trying not to like, yeah, I was trying not to let on. I'm, I just am used to living in a I constant know. Well, I, haze. My dog of, does the same thing too. It's so bad. <laughs> I need to get him his special food again. Anyway, Aww. bad dog mom. Okay. It's um, okay. You know, when you're, you're talking about getting downloads yes. or from the universe or your guys, your yes. angels that are yes. talking to you. Yes. To me, I liken that to people in Christianity, Christianity or Catholicism who are saying God spoke to me. Totally. But where I feel the disconnect is, I don't know. I'm not sure how to verbalize this because I've never said it out loud. Like for me, I feel a direct connection. And it's not just a source, but to myself. Mm -hmm. Whereas I feel like when it's like, well, God told me to X, Y, Z, it feels like, well, the Bible and the conditioning in the Bible and then this other thing told me to be like this. So I'm going to do it even though I don't want to. Does that make yeah. sense? Oh, totally. I don't know if I'm and off that's base. The thing. But so, Yes. I mean, I think that what you're taught in that whole tradition is to just deny all the things that you actually feel. Um, and you do, you take all the teaching and say, okay, this is how I feel. This is how I feel. This is how I feel. Even when you know, deep down, 
It's not how you feel. Yeah. And you're like, I must put that that self to death that is telling me that that's not right or whatever. Like, you know, years ago before Trump, before everything, um, I was in leadership at a group at an, a Christian group. And like they kept talking about, like, what are we going to do when LGBTQ people come and like, how do we talk to them? And I was like my I was like, wait, what? What? And we were taught to say certain things that I did not agree with. And I knew it and I was uncomfortable. And that was like the beginning of my crumbling, mm -hmm. really, of of that whole thing. Because I was like, these are human beings who deserve all the love and respect that we all do. And what like, how dare we tell them that their reality is not real? Yeah. Um, and it like, and believe me, I didn't speak up for a long time because it was very you know, like overarching that belief. And I know that there are now churches. I don't want to like throw all the churches under the bus. There are like lots of, um, I don't know, inclusive churches yeah. now. And I, and I love that. But for a while, like this organization, organization that I was a part of, that was not okay. Like you had to, you know, you towed the line, you said your, your piece about like, you know, love the sin or hate the sin, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, but what if it's not a sin? Yeah. So, yeah, I don't yeah. know. I've just been like grappling with it that. It is hard. And I also, I feel like, um, I feel like the black sheep all the time, right? And I have my little oh, community hello. where you're in it, right? <laughs> and we're all black sheep together. Yes. And I'm like, oh, cool. Yeah. The um, black sheep is the truth teller. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but I'm like, religious people frown upon and feel like a lot of the stuff that we talk about and do is very demonic and Satanist and, oh, you know, pulling cards. I've had, oh my God, people oh. email me. I had a guy call me on my fucking stuff today when I was talking about masturbating about how um, only Jesus can fulfill me. I'm like, oh, Jesus does fulfill me. Thank you very much. Every time I come, um, <laughs> someone's coming at me for that. But I'm just oh like, gosh, for me, I believe in God. And when I talk about channeling or talking to my angels or whatever, or like mm -hmm. my mom passing and being there with all those things, like God is with me. Absolutely. It's not, I, I feel like they think it's this thing that's so out there. And I'm like, I just practice it differently. I pray. I talk to God. He speaks to me like this whole thing. And it's funny to me how it's turned into something oh, so totally. negative. And I'm not, I don't know enough about this to know, but I'm not sure when it turned into oh, being Oh, for like, me? Yeah. Tell me. So I remember going to yoga. This was many years ago, but I was heading out to yoga and my mom was like, watch out. And I was like, what? Like, I feel closer to God doing these things. Like, you know, I like there and there's just a disconnect. I think that they're taught that, um, you know, there, there are verses in the Bible that talk about like graven images and like doing, you know, there, there are all these things to be fearful of. And that's my big beef with all of that is like being fearful of it instead of curious. Again, the word curiosity comes up. Like, what does it mean to listen to your intuition and pull a card? Like, what does it like? How does that take you away from God? Mm -hmm. Like to me, I think it's a both and, and they, they make it a hard no, you know, like a hard pass. Like you can't do any of that. And I'm like, why can't it be God and cards right. and God and yoga? And, and what God if God is the one that is doing the cards? Like, right? why can't it be He's that leading if he, us if he creates it, the path for you? Yeah. Right. Like she, she, yeah, she, exactly. <laughs> I'm just like, I don't know. I, I can't know. wrap my head around I it. I know. And I, like, this is a struggle of mine all the time. Like, I still work through it 
all the time because it is it's been programmed so hardcore into me and so to embrace like this you know people are like you're so woo woo and i'm like i know and isn't it amazing because look how free and happy i am and how much joy this can bring and like my parents won't take an enneagram test they won't talk about the enneagram with me because it's I, i don't know if it's the image and it reminds them of like a satanist image um i don't know what it is if like a lot of churches are actually really embracing it right now so i don't know what their beef is i think it's just that it causes you to look inside yourself right and it's you're like, asking questions they're not willing to ask. yeah and yeah. i think it's just a lot of um um yeah at looking in yourself and figuring yourself out um but i'm like how's it working to not look at yourself how's it how's it working for you because not, I mean, and I'm not saying just like with my parents, I'm saying for a lot of people who won't do this, like these, this deep dive on who they really are is like, but look at the ways that you're self-sabotaging in the, in the relationships that are suffering. And, you know, I could go on and on. So I'm like, I don't understand how this can be bad. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I'm with you. It's hard. So I'm a two wing three. Okay. Let's talk about you. All I know is that makes me a helper and competitive or an achiever. Achiever. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's really as the extent of my knowledge. That pretty much sums me up. Although I will say, I definitely feel like there's a lot of nine in me. Okay. Um, I was like the peacemaker my whole childhood. Okay. Yeah. Um, And that goes hand in hand with being two ish. Yeah. So I would. But you could be a nine and, you know, keep it open. Hold it with an open hand. Like who knows what you really are. But like, let's say that you are two wing three. So that means that you are, um, you know, you have this core desire to uh, honestly just to be loved and to be wanted. And so you will do what it takes to get that. And so that can mean manipulation. That can mean um, whatever. But it also means it's a lot of good stuff, too. You know, and I love that's what I love about the Enneagram is. The, the best things about us are also the worst things about us. That's mm-hmm. kind of what it teaches. And so, yes, like twos are amazing. Like they're so helpful. They are so they are the most. um, uh, What's the word I want to go with? They are the most deeply interpersonal. So they are the most um, I want to say they're intuitive about other people. They can read what other people need more um, readily than anybody else and then come in and say, OK, hey. Here I am with that thing you need. Oh yeah, um, and that's a huge gift. Uh, I wish my I ability more to like that swoop all in without being asked. <laughs> oh yes, yes. Um, so that's amazing. But then, okay, the other side of that coin is you know being needy, being manipulative, being you know like whatever. And it's just the awareness of that. And so when you add in the three wings, so just a quick um, lesson for those listening who may not be familiar with Mm -hmm. the Enneagram. So your wings are the numbers on either side of your main number. So with a two, you're going to have a one wing and a three wing. And I like to tell people that it's kind of like uh, seasoning your food. You can either do it really heavily, salt and pepper, like one salt, one's pepper. Um, You can, I use both my wings a a lot. I, and I use my seven wing, like, Like I, I, most people, when they get to know me, they feel like I'm very, I'm a seven if they don't know all the other stuff. Um, and that's the enthusiast. So I tend to be like, woo, rainbows, sparkly, woo, you know, (laughs) (laughs) and like, go look at my silly little reels thing on Instagram and you'll get that idea. So for you with a three wing, 
that mean that just means you're heavier on the three. And that can add um, threes are the kind of people who walk into a room and are able to assess, okay, who do I need to um, impress to get to the top here? And how quickly can I do it? Sounds like my TV career. (laughs) I know, right? Um, So you have a little bit of that in there. So it's like it makes complete sense that you are a two wing three to me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so two, do you know about health and stress? No. So each number, so the lines on, if you look at the Enneagram symbol, there are all these lines. Um, And the lines are the number that you go to in stress or disintegration. And then there's another number that you go to in health. Oh, okay. Um, And so as a two, when you're in stress, you go to eight, which is me. Oh. So you can be kind of like that my way or the highway, like get out of my way. And, you know, it can be, it can almost like shock people because twos are so lovely. And then to have this kind of like bomb go off. I'm lovely until you piss me off. (laughs) And then not so much. Right. And so, and then the opposite of that, a two, when they're in health, they go to four. And so two and four are both in the the heart center. Um, But a four is more inward looking. So a two is like, how can I love you? You know, like this big heart, like looking out at all the people like, I want love. How can I, how can I be loved? So you'll love me. And a four is more like, okay, I, I, I want to, they're more introspective. They're a little more withdrawn. They're very madly creative, um, um, individualist. They want to do things a little differently. So when you're in health, you stop looking out at everybody else and you say, okay, what do I need? So this makes total sense, right? Yeah, With does. everything that you've been going through. Yeah. Um, I love that. I feel like I'm, I'm teeter-tottering between eight and four right now, mm. which is super interesting. And that's okay. Mm. I feel like we can do that within a day, within an hour. Yeah. It's like, like I feel stressed, but I also feel massively in such a good place. Yeah. It's very odd. And grief will do that even yeah. more so, I feel like. Um, I feel like that could even bring, you know, bring on those waves of mm-hmm. back and forth so much. How does the Enneagram help you navigate duality of yourself and mm. like on a day-to-day basis? Like you can change so many times. So many times. I think... Um, it just has given me such good perspective and a real ability to take a step back and be like, oh, like, OK, when I said that to her and I was acting that way or whatever, or I did this to my to Ryan, like what what was that? And just to get the, the perspective to say like, OK, oh, OK. So when I'm doing well, I really am focusing on others more and I'm not so much like get out of my way. <laughs> like, yeah. let me make this happen. Um and so, I, yeah, it's just the ability to step back, to have the perspective, to look at yourself and be like, okay, so I did this, 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 that I'm like, nah, kind of wish I wouldn't have done that. But you move on and you, you know, every day is a new day and you just take that knowledge from yesterday. Like when I'm in the five space and I'm just like, I can't stop reading all this stuff or I'm, or I'm like, um, fives can also be a little bit, um, I don't want to say paranoid, but it's just like looking out like what, what, and, and sixes are very, are like very much more like that. But fives also can be very doubtful and very much like, what, like, what are you trying to do to me? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's a little bit more, a little bit of paranoia and I can get there. And so to see that and then be like, okay, like, let's float back over here. 
And that's, and you know, there's a, there's a high side and a low side of each number. So like I'm an eight, you can be average, you can be high functioning eight, low functioning eight. And then you go to the stress number when you're like beyond the low functioning of your main number. Okay. So that's like, you know, and you can swing. I mean, I'm saying you can swing back and forth between the, all three of those numbers so much. And then you add in wings. And then there's like your, there's a whole other thing um, with instinctual subtypes. Um, so there's just so much to talk about with this. I could talk for days. Yeah. Um, so many layers and so many cool, like different ways that we show up. There's tri-types. I haven't even touched on that. Um, so yeah, just learning all this has, has given me such good perspective of like, oh, okay. And I can like totally overanalyze and be like, okay, well I was in the five space doing this and blah, blah, blah. But then just to let it all go and be like, and I'm actually just a human and we're all like, all of us have all nine numbers within us. Mm -hmm. So we can act like any of the numbers at a given time. Um, but to know the one that is our repeated, like go-to of like, I need this, I need this to get love. This is how I, you know, this is how I function in the world. And to like slowly be able to let go of that and then look more, more like all nine types. Mm -hmm. That's the ultimate goal. And so I feel like a lot of people who are older kind of, and have been through it, you know, they're kind of like, I don't, I'm like all the types. And I'm like, well, I think eventually that's what we hope we can all be, you know, is like to, to exhibit those. To integrate all parts of ourselves. Yeah. To integrate the whole. Yeah. Yeah. To. Can your number change? So no, I don't think it changes. Yeah. Um, And I've read a lot about this, but pretty much everyone in the whole Enneagram world agrees that you are one number throughout your life. And it can manifest in different ways. You know, like you can look different. Like as a kid, I did not look eight-ish. And I think pretty much everyone would say that. But I know that it was there. Like I looking back, all the feelings I had, all the I was like so freaking intense. I've always been like that, like the emotional intensity. And I didn't know what to do with it. And so I know it was always there. And it was just me being like, but I'm really nice. Let me hold up my nine wing and put that on, on top. And I'm really joyful. And it was just like, you know, hiding, hiding, hiding. But I do think that we are um, the same number our whole lives. Mm-hmm. And but like I said, we grow and add in others, hopefully. And as someone is getting into this, like I overanalyze everything myself already and I'm a perfectionist. And so I, and I yeah. want to label it all. I understand that. Yes. So as they get into this, what's your advice for not overanalyzing or not maybe internalizing it and being like you said, when we first started, I'm a two. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Game over. Here are the memes. Look at how I act. That's what drives me nuts about. So my Instagram account, I have not been posting a ton of like memes and stuff like, you know, like twos are like this and threes are like this. I don't really love that. This is the thing. I love memes. They're hilarious. Yeah. Like I can, I will laugh at them all day. But I think that there are so many nuances. I think that there are like, it, I don't love that because like as a counter type eight, like I'm a, I'm a social eight. So that means I act, that's the instinctual t- subtypes there. Um, I don't act like an eight most of the time. So all the memes don't apply to me. And I'm like, yeah, I, that's why I thought I wasn't an eight. Can you explain that a little more? Yes. Okay. So the instinctual subtypes. Yeah. Okay. So we, there are three survival instincts that we all have. Self-preservation, social, and sexual or one-on-one. I know you don't have a problem with me saying sexual. Yes. Though. People say one-on-one who are uncomfortable with that. Okay. Not here. <laughs> so, um, and they basically, like, they're, they are in it. So they call it an emotion or an instinctual stacking. Like what's your instinctual stacking? Well, that means like, are you self-preservation first? 
are you social or are you sexual? And then, and then, you know, they stack up, you know, there's one that you use the most. There's one that you use kind of. And then there's one that's like you're kind of blind to, they say. Okay. So for me, I am social first. And that means that I go into a, a situation and figure out who has the power, who, where do I stand in the social, um, you know, this room, like say we're walking into a party, um, you know, where do I stand? Who am I socially? Who do I need to connect it with? And they kind of like work the room. I'm, I'm very much like, I want to talk to everybody. I love people. So that's the social. The um, self-preservation is the kind of person that walks into the room and says, um, oh my gosh, it's hot in here. Where's the food? Um, my belt is too tight. It's, it's more, how do I describe it? It's more about like um, survival and like, you know, getting your food, being taken care of in physical ways. Um, yeah. So that is sex. You walk into the room and want to fuck everybody. Cause that would be, I'm just kidding. That's only (laughs) you. You could be sexual. (laughs) No. Um, so that just means and like, yeah, sexual can kind of be a misnomer because it's kind of, it, yes, there is that vibe with it, but it's also just like, um, it's that kind of person that walks into the party and finds one person that they deeply connect with and they're in the corner talking. Oh, that's me. Oh, that is me. Oh, how funny. That's how I am. That's my second. So I'm first social, then second. Like I want to find my people too. And I want to like talk to you for three hours. I think I'm sexual and then self-preservation. Yeah. And so with the, okay, that makes sense. So with the three um, instincts, they say sexual or I'm sorry, they say self-preservation is cooler like a cool think of temperature uh-huh um social is warm like it's the warm person it's like greeting you at the door and the because self-preservation sorry going back to them they're cooler because they're thinking about their own right needs. um social is warm and then sexual is hot they run hot Obviously. so yes there you go <laughs> um so because of those instinctual stackings within the enneagram type depending on which one you you use primarily you show up totally differently. And so there are two of the social of the sorry I can't talk now. Two of the instincts um that go with the type. So okay, I'm going to use type 6 as an example of this cuz I feel like it's so clear. Okay. Um two of them go with the type and then one of them is called the counter type and it goes against the energy of that type. So type 6 is um a lot of people call it the loyalist. It's somebody who really wants to um, prepare at all times for what can happen. Um, They're kind of like, okay, like um, I'm going on a trip. You know, what's like, they're those people that are like prepared with like, I have the first aid kit. I have, they're, they're always preparing. They're always thinking about like what could go wrong. And because of that, they're prone to worry, anxiety, you know, like that's their, they're in the head, they're a head type. So they're, they can get stuck up there just thinking the wheel goes round and round. Um, so type six is the self-preservation six is somebody who, um, I think they're the one that's like the most worrisome. So they're the most warm, but they're also the most phobic. Mm. So they tend to be, um, a really friendly person, but they're also like the most uh, afraid of what's going to happen. And then the social six is someone who, um, it's called duty is the word that goes with that one. And that's someone who is very into like obeying authority. And so they both kind of like go along with this like fear trend with the um, the they have sixes have like an inner committee, they say. And it's not just one voice, like kind of like what you were talking about, mm-hmm. the one voice that you heard. But they hear like a committee of voices 
like, you should do this. No, you should do this. And because of that, sixes often like want to ask somebody, what should I do? Yeah. Like, what, what do you think? Because they are hearing so many little voices in their head of things that could, that they need to think of that it can be really confusing. That and sounds so, traumatizing. I know. I know. And that like, you know, all the types have an issue that is, that is slightly traumatizing, but for sixes, that's the first two, the self-preservation and the social. Well, the sexual first six is the counter type. And this is someone who goes against that fear and they tend to look very, they can look more like an eight. They can look more like someone who's very strong. Like they come, they become strong in the face of that fear. And um, they, so they go against that energy, but they still deep down, they're still driven by that fear. If that makes any yeah, sense. Yeah. So that's why instinctual stackings are so important. And that's why the memes, I mean, honestly, they're kind of a load of crap because between the wings and the so and the instinctual stackings and the tri-type, which I'll get into in a quick second, um, you can look so different. Like, you know, like that's why I mistyped for so long. Right. Because I did not look like that eight that's on the meme that's like, I am going to kick your ass. You know, like I'm I mean, I can kind of be like that inside and not tell people. Yeah. But um not externally. But externally that. I'm like, oh my gosh, love me. I'm so happy. You know, like, do you think it's because people don't realize there's anything beyond like your main type in your wing? Because I didn't know that until right now. Right. Yeah. And I think I think that that's the thing. I think most people do a quiz online, which I hate. And I'll explain that. Well, it's because it measures what you do and not why. Oh. The whole point of the Enneagram is like, why do you do that? Like you and me, we could both do the same thing. We can both. I don't know, go out for a run and be super competitive about it, about it for completely different reasons. So true. So that's why I don't love um, tests because most people go online, take a quiz. They're like, I'm a three and that's it. And then they go read the memes and they're like, oh, that's funny because they test as a three. But what are their motivations? What are their fears? Like, so how do you test people? So, okay. When I have a client come in, I actually, <laughs> I just said, I hate quizzes. And I'm like, I have them take a quiz, yeah. <laughs> but they hear, let me explain. I do have it's them take, different take because a, it's, me. <laughs> it's just me. It's my special way. <laughs> um, but I do have them take a quiz only because it gives me a very rough idea of like what, okay. So I'm, you know, say somebody tests as a one. Um, ones can, depending I, it, I know in my head, okay, well, depending on the stackings, the instinctual stackings and the wings, they can look totally different. And like someone might test as a one, but they're actually an eight. Um, and like there, there are several like common mistypings. So I don't super love quizzes, but I do have people come in, take the quiz and I look at it as a whole. And I'm looking at the fact that a lot of people type as their stress type. Mm. Um, it's very common uh, to be typed as your stress type. And I think I mistyped as a nine for a long time because nines are withdrawing just like fives are. And they are, um, there are a lot of things in common with nine and five. And I think I mistook that. And then I, I took my two-ish tendencies and I thought that was nine because two and nine can mistype. Mm -hmm. So it's just so complicated. It can be so confusing, but I, I do take into account that most people type as their stress type. And I just look at it and then we go through the, the um, like a typing session and I just ask them a ton of questions and we talk about like, okay, like, you know, how are you with authority? What do you do? You know, like why? And then why? And then why? And I, and I ask them, you know, I'll ask a, a surface question 
And then there's like several why follow ups, because I think a lot of people just don't go there. You know, they don't go that deep. And and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with people. But like, I do think that like a lot of people just see here, like up on the surface and they don't realize like, oh, but my deep core fear down here is um, that I'm, you know, that I'm defective, that I'm, you know, not enough, that I'm. I don't know that I'm going to end up alone. And they, you know, and honestly, the reason the Enneagram is like something not to joke around about in a way. And I don't want to be like, take it so seriously. You know, like I like to have fun. I'm all about like joking about memes, whatever. It's fine. But I mean, it's because honestly, when you tell some of your Enneagram type, you're like, dude, this is my deep core fear. This is my deepest motivation. And it's like, it's not something to like joke around. You know, I Mm -hmm. mean, it's like, I'm being very vulnerable actually with you right? by telling you that like I'm terrified of being hurt by you and I will act big and strong so that it looks like I don't care about that, mm-hmm. but I'm actually terrified, you know? So yeah. I, I think that just a lot of people don't want to go that deep. What was the other thing you were going to explain? Try types. Yes. Okay. So a lot of people in the Enneagram world, I don't know. I don't want to say a lot of people. There's like two camps. Tri-types and anti-tri-types. I tend to think tri-types are true because I see it in myself. You sound like such so. a fucking dork. <laughs> so great. Um. Okay. <laughs> let me, let me press up my glasses here. It's so cute. I don't have glasses on. Um. I know. I am a dork. But, and I, and I love that. Yeah. Now I can embrace it. But so this is like where I can completely dork out. <laughs> but um, I mentioned before head, heart, and gut types. So there are three body centers. And the head, the heart, and the gut. There are three types within each of those. And the whole tri-type idea is that we use one type out of those, each of those three more than the others. Okay. And so there's a, once again, like a stacking of tri-types. And so, and this can, this explains so many nuances. And that's why I tend to believe it because I think, I think I am a, an eight, seven, four. So that means out of the, the instinctual, like the gut types, I'm an eight first. Out of the the heart types, I'm a four first. And out of the head types, I'm a seven first. So I used seven more than I used six and five. Okay. If that makes any yes, sense. Totally. And so because of that, I have double seven energy. So that's why I, I have a seven wing and I think I have seven in my tri-type. So I draw from seven a lot. Like hence my crazy colorful clothing. Hence my like sense of adventure and my, and eights can be adventurous too, but like, but I am always planning the next thing. Like the, the hardest thing about quarantine for me has been the fact that I cannot have things on the calendar to look forward to. Mm. I'm like, what is happening? I don't have anywhere to go. And that's really hard for a seven. They're always planning the next thing. They're planning the next thing before they're home from the previous thing. Mm-hmm. So to understand that, okay, I, I do have a lot of that seven energy, but my core fear and my core motivation is eight. And then I also pull a lot from four. I'm very emotional. I'm very um, I individualistic. I want to, I like my fashion sense, um, the way I decorate my house. It's crazy. It's like colorful, you know, like, and I'm like, I don't care what you think. If you think my house is crazy or you think the way I dress is crazy, like I'm going to do this. Yeah. So it's, it's like, it's just more, more nuanced, you know, Mm -hmm. there's just so much. It's kind of, it reminds me of like my moon and rising sun. I'm a double Leo and blah, blah, blah. But I feel like it's very similar. Yeah. Well, I had my, so I, 
I did a session with, I don't know if you know Ashley Tracy. She no. is, on, she's on Instagram. I forget soul centered. Ashley Tracy soul centered is her username, but I did a, a, a whole reading with her, a karmic astrology Ooh, reading, cool. which BTW with the Christian church. No. Yeah. You don't do that. But anyway, <laughs> so I was like super curious. I'm like, I want to understand astrology. Like, I don't know anything because all my whole life I was like, that's, that's satanic or whatever. Right. Um, so God, God didn't create the stars, but it's fine. <laughs> Never mind. Um, so I did this reading and I just have to say, like, these things all go together. It all goes together. And the human design reading I had, it all supports it. So I'm a, I'm a Pisces sun, Gemini moon, Scorpio rising. And the way that those three all go together, it is like crazy how perfect it is with my Enneagram types, like with my tri-types, especially. It just, it blows my mind how people can not think that this is true. Mm -hmm. So my last question, um, asking for a friend is (laughs) if you're a two wing three, who should you be in partnership with? Oh, I love this. Any type can be with any type know, as long as they're healthy. I know. But it is a good question. And I do think that there can be combinations that are easier. Yeah. Um, but I mean. How can you use the types and understanding your own type to benefit your relationship? Mm, so good. Yeah. I have to say that this is one of the main reasons that I'm so passionate about the Enneagram is because of the way that it can benefit relationships in your life to to understand okay like my friends okay she's a nine so she's acting this way and her core fear is this and like how can i be a better friend to her how can i be you know understanding all this about her i just think it's so helpful and so with a with a romantic relationship it's the same thing my husband now that i understand his motivation um for like okay he has to like he is like a mile a minute moves so much faster than me and I tend to move pretty fast. So like that's saying a lot. And for a long time I was like, gosh, like can't you relax? And like, that's not in that's, he needs to be moving fast to feel like he's gaining love and being worthwhile in this world. And so to understand that that's his core fear and his core motivation, just like coming out, you know, it helps me understand him but it's given me so much more compassion and empathy for people in my life yeah definitely i feel like that and human design really helps you understand others so when yes. your immediate response is about to come out you can take a step back and be yes. like what's actually happening here oh i know this about them and they're Absolutely. just you know processing this or this is how they operate and then you don't have to take it personally or get angry about it you're like this is just a difference that we have and that's yeah great yeah i cannot wait to have my husband's human design chart read and he, I need to figure out what time he was born. We have the same problem with Connor. We cannot find, find his birth certificate <laughs> and I'm dying. My girlfriend is an incredible human design. Um, oh, I don't even cool. know what you would call them. Person? I know. Reader? reader. I think they're called a reader. Yeah. Um, Katie Calder. She's going to come on the show and do my reading live on the oh, show. Yeah, and I really want cool. her to do Connor's with mine. Yeah. Um, but I just feel I'm so fascinated and I feel I just feel like things like this are incredible tools and resources for us to better understand ourselves. That's the bottom line, right? Yeah. I mean, to wrap it all up, it's like, how can I understand myself better and then stop self-sabotaging, stop hurting people, stop with the unproductive. That's like my whole thing. I repeat this on my new website, which is coming out. Like, how can you stop the unproductive? 
you know, repetition, repetitious things that you have going on that are just slowing you down Mm -hmm. and, and holding you back and making you not love yourself and making you believe things that aren't true. Mm -hmm. So So yes. Thank you so much for coming uh, over. This was fun. I could do this all day. This is so great. I feel like we have Clearly, a I other things about. to talk about. I know. About I too. feel like we could talk for like four more hours. Yeah. Well, but we'll, that's okay. We'll have you back and we'll do a second episode on all the other things. Oh my gosh. I would love that. Thank you. Okay. Thanks, Kelly. Thank you all so much for listening to The Kelly Show. If you haven't yet subscribed, be sure to do so now and head to ratethispodcast.com slash Kelly to leave a five-star review. And as a bonus for doing that, if you send me a screenshot of your review before you submit, I will get you a little thank you gift in the mail. All right, we have another juicy episode coming for you next week, so stay tuned. And as always, if I can support you in any way, please reach out. Remember, I'm just a DM or an email away. See you guys soon.